This episode of the Duck Gun Podcast proudly brought to you by Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels, the market's only double-walled, roto-molded dog crate, and a five-star crash test-rated kennel. These American-made boxes come with a lifetime warranty, and the guys over at Gunner Kennels have done some crazy testing just to show how strong they really are, like dropping 4,000 pounds on it, hammering it with a 630-pound sled, tossing it off a 200-foot cliff, and shooting it with a 12-gauge at seven paces with no pellet penetration. You're hitting the road with your dog this season. Gunner Kennels is your safest bet. Protect your best friend and protect your investment. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On tonight's episode, we're joined by Addison of Gunner Kennels, and we talk about his story, how they got started, and the awesome product of the Gunner Kennel and how it protects your dog. So before we jump into the podcast, quick word from our sponsor, and we'll get right to it. Hey guys, Tim from HTR here. If you really want to get your group up front and in the action, check out our new HTR A-frame. Hunt anywhere, concealed. It sets up and takes down in less time than it takes to put your waders on. We've developed our own camo patterns for a better hide, with more designs coming. We have you covered from the sides and the top. Oh, and did I mention? Our A-frame is only 10 pieces out of the box. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on htrinnovations.com. Hey guys, another great company that we've partnered with is Sportsman Taxidermy. And we had Corey on the podcast not too long ago, so jump back, check that one out. Really great content there. Um, But they do everything from waterfowl, deers, turkey, and they've even done a lion at their shop. It's award-winning taxidermy, and they're out of Belton, Missouri. Um, You can reach them at 816-331-5171 or email at taxidermy at outlook.com. And did I mention, if you're not in the area, they also do shipping, so that's great. Be sure to check them out, guys. We'd like to give a big thanks to our partners over at White Rock Decoys. Be a nomad and get out further with more decoys with their lightweight system of windsocks, silhouettes, and fully collapsible floater decoys. We'd also like to give a big thanks to our partners over at Bailey's Game Calls. These 3D printed plastic calls are made in America, highly customizable, and floating. They also have a patent pending on the density of their calls, which allows them to mimic wood and acrylic calls. Be sure to check out Bailey's Game Calls for your next duck or goose call. What's going on, folks? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got Elliot, my co-host, alongside me from Freelance Duck Hunting. And tonight, our guest is Addison from Gunner Kennels. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. How about y'all? Doing great. We are sure happy to have you on here. Uh, big fan of your kennels, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Those things are well. those are tanks, man. <laughs> tanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those things are awesome for sure. Yeah, I went from I went from one of those man, I don't know, it was a hand me down what I was using. But I mean, it was it's called plastic. It was more like paper. I mean, the thing was just <laughs> you know, falling apart and going from that to uh, one of your kennels was 
like night and day difference. I'll just say that. I appreciate it. That was uh, that was the whole plan was make something that's completely different than what's out there. Well, you've definitely definitely succeeded. You know that uh, it it looks like it'll stand up to pretty much anything that's going to be thrown at it. That's right. Yeah, actually, we just got uh, somebody emailed us this weekend that drunk driver ran him off the road, and uh, I think it was a, a student in college at TCU in Texas, and he emailed and said, my dog would be dead if it wasn't for your kennel. Um, and we're trying to get some more info, but he sent pictures of the kennel, and it's, like, scratched up. But, I mean, um, it looks like the kennel – looks like he didn't have it strapped down and, and hit the road, but – he said the dog's fine, so that's that's a good thing. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Is the lighting okay? Can you see me all right? Yep. It's all right. It's not bad. Yeah. Let's see if I can brighten it up a little bit. So I'm I'm curious about um I, I just watched the video. I had I was I was aware of your products, but then the video that just I'm not sure when you guys released that video was my first real exposure to, I guess, more an in-depth look of you and your company. And, and man, that was, that video was worth watching more than once. What was the process behind um, the video and how it got started and, and when did it release and what's your feedback been about it? And yeah. Um, you know, that's actually, there's a, a long process been over at, Con Outdoors, um, I think that our two marketing girls touched base with him at SHOT Show in 2016 uh, just to get the conversation started. And then last duck season, they came down and filmed a, a hunt uh, in Yazoo City, Mississippi. And I don't know, I'm sure other people thought about it. I thought about it right when I saw it, but we're literally sitting there up trying to hide up against like two little bitty trees <laughs> doesn't really look very professional which, which is pretty much how i operate but it's because it was the only hole in the whole camp that that wasn't frozen over and the ducks were all right there in the morning but um so we we shot uh for a couple of days there and then they came back in the spring to to film the piece on you know interviewing me at the warehouse and and with my family and everything and uh, i think it turned out phenomenal i was i was really pleased with it and the response has been great. Well, let's stop and back up to that hunt because that hunt, I think plays a huge part in making the whole thing. Cause it's such an unusual location and hunt. So you guys roll up and it's, and this was that, that's like a shallow marsh there. It's an old catfish pond. So that's my okay. old catfish farm that they stopped farming and just started planting for, for ducks. And it's pretty much completely frozen, right? Yeah, everything. I mean, they got uh, over thirty ponds, and everything was frozen except for this one hole because all the ducks and geese were in it, keeping it open. And so you guys tromp out there, and you're having to break ice as, you, as you're going out to the hole. Yeah. And I mean, how many? I'm, on the video, it looked like thousands of ducks were sitting there. <laughs> yeah, I'm always bad at estimating that, but it was it was a pile of them. I think I fell in on the way out. Uh, some one of my other buddies fell in on the way back to the truck. It was. It was one of the coldest mornings that I've hunted. I, I hate wearing gloves, but I had to wear my gloves because my hands kept freezing uh, to the gun. And uh, <laughs> I kept trying to call it, you know, I, we all knew that we weren't going to hunt past daylight because once once it was daylight, you couldn't 
see anything. I mean, the ducks would be able to see us, but uh, you know, I'm so worried about Gunner being nine years old and 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 just that cold conditions. I'd already, I just got back. I I was in a uh, trip in Louisiana at Honey Break, and I'd hunted him pretty hard for some photo shoot stuff we did for Wildfowl uh, the the couple days before that. So he's already he was already pretty tired, and I mean. I probably said 10 times, all right, I'm calling it, you know, Gunner's not going to hunt anymore. And <laughs> and it worked out perfect because the sun came up pretty quick and we got our limited ducks. And then I didn't even know that Ben was interviewing me. Uh, we were walking around getting a couple cripples while they finished up hunting. And that's kind of where the the core of, of that film was, was shot was just when he was walking around asking me questions and we were picking up cripples. And, and so you guys, you just basically stood under those two trees because there was, like you said, no other option really. There's nothing. Uh, and, and were you guys, were most of the ducks you shot actually like right down over the hole or did you have to extend your range yeah, a little bit? They were all coming in. I mean, they, they wanted in that hole. We scared them up and they just came right back in. Um, yeah. You know, the next day we've, we found a spot that we wanted to hunt. So we got the four wheelers out and tried to break up and push all the ice and make a big hole. And we got some really cool footage out of it. But mm -hmm. the next day, uh, we didn't shoot a thing. I mean, I don't even know if we, we didn't, we might've used a little bit of the footage, but uh, it was a bust the next day, but it was a lot of fun just breaking up all that ice on a pole for the whole afternoon. Were the ducks not, not back in there? Is that what was a bust? Yeah, I think they, I think they moved on. Yeah. So, so you guys probably don't get ice very often down there. I wouldn't think then, right? No, not really. Um, I mean, that's in the, in the Delta of Mississippi. And I mean, it gets cold there, but nothing, not too often where everything's locked up. Unique footage, really unique footage. Yeah, yeah, it turned out great. Yeah, I definitely didn't know it. Uh, actually, even got that cold down in Mississippi. <laughs> I'm up here. I'm up here in Indiana, and it, uh, you know, doesn't even get that cold here that often. But it looked like you guys had a, you know, pretty rough time of it out there in the ice. And <laughs> yeah, it worked out. It was, you know, anytime I look at Gunner and his whole face is frozen you know, within seconds of, of retrieving, I was just like, golly, this is cold. That's, that's cold. It makes you worried, but it looks awesome for the video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. So what was, what's the name of that video and where can people go? What's the quickest, easiest way for people to see that video? Cause it's worth watching. I think it's called Gunner, the dog that changed my life. Um, and it's on our YouTube uh, channel or I just always go to our website and scroll down to the bottom and there's a little YouTube link to get to our, our YouTube uh, page. Okay. It's certainly worth everyone because I mean, it highlights your product, but you know, that's what I love about guys like um, ben. ben and some other guys are going at it. It's like, they're doing kind of commercial things, but it's just a great video. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even, you know, I, I told him we, I don't even know if we talked on the phone until right before he got to the camp, but, I told him, I was like, I don't want to, we're not going to be trying to push kennels. Like, I don't care about that. If it ends up in the back of a truck, you know, for, for a shot or two, that's fine. And, and that's the same page he's on is let's get your story out there. And so it's real natural. And the good thing is, is almost because we had never met and never talked on the phone, you know, he was asking me questions and I was answering them nonchalantly, just gut reaction answers. Uh, and it wasn't like stage. I, I kept telling him, was that good? Do we need to reshoot that? Or do I need to re say that again? And he's like, no, just be you and, and keep on going. And, and uh, he made even someone like me look, you know, 
made the video pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, none of it looked staged, I'd say, at all. I mean, I know you kind of got emotional at one point, which was so cool that you were willing to, you know, show your vulnerability like that about your life. I thought that was really – Is would you be willing to kind of – kind of go back and tell the story of why it would be called uh, the dog that changed my life. Kind of give that backstory. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was a junior in college at Ole Miss and I decided I wanted to buy a dog. Uh, I've grown up in chocolate labs, but never, never uh, had my own duck hunting dog and got him, had enough time to, to train him. And he was just a phenomenal dog. Um, and and I was on my way back. I was hunting every day in Charleston, Mississippi, which is about an hour south of Oxford, southwest of Oxford. And um, I came back to the square in downtown Oxford, and, and these girls came up and talked to me. Just they wanted to pet the dog. Gunner was a puppy, and and one of them said, you know, we became friends, and and she said, I've got this girl that that. I know that you're going to marry. And I was just like, no, that's really weird. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to meet this girl. If that's, it's just weird to hear that. <laughs> and so over time, she ended up introducing me and, and, um, and uh, Emily, she's from, from the Gulf coast of Mississippi. Uh, we hit it off and, and got along great and ended up getting married a couple years down the road. And what was weird about that film is I definitely wasn't planning on getting emotional and I'm, I'm not an emotional guy but I've been going so hard trying to get this company started. Like the day we launched the website three and a half years ago was the day we had our first daughter Marie. Um, and now we've got three girls, uh, three and a half, two years old and 10 months old. And we've got another one on the way. I don't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl, but we've been so busy. And when, when Ben was asking me these questions, all of a sudden it just hit me at the same time. Like, Oh my gosh, like I'm actually, it's starting to come true. These dreams that I've had about starting this company and, and, and it just hit me of this wonderful family and, and uh, golly, I mean, he, you know, he had probably 10 seconds of being, being emotional. He probably has on footage like 30 minutes of it. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was, I left going, Oh gosh, I hope they don't play all that because he, you know, he was asking me, you know, what would, what would your life be like without Gunner? And it all kind of hit me. Like I wouldn't have my wife in this beautiful family and I wouldn't be doing what I love in the hunting industry and, and, and starting this company. So there's kind of a mix of emotions all hit me at once. And when you go back and see that part of the video, what are your gut emotions? Uh, how does it make you feel when you see it? I get, I get emotional. Um, I still do. And, and I've, you know, I was at a, uh, I've got a really big family and we were at a wet wedding shower last weekend and all my aunts and uncles were coming up to me telling me that they were sobbing when they were watching it and stuff. And <laughs> so, you know, Ben did something right. Cause it's pulling it at people's heartstrings, you know, but I, it's part of going direct to consumer. Uh, you've got to open up and you've got to just tell your story and, and let people know. Cause I've always tried to have this front that, you know, we're this huge company and nobody knows anything about me or anything like that. But when we went direct to consumer in May, um, you know, I decided I've got to be as open as possible and I've got to let people in and, and, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get recognized for anything. I just want people to know kind of who we are and what we're doing. Yeah. And that's really cool when you watch that video and you see that story, um, because, um, 
us as hunters, we can connect with that. And, you know, um, as fathers and, and, um, you know, people that have dogs, we see all these elements of you that you've opened up in your story. And, you know, it's the thing that we do and all these things that are connected to duck hunting. And it's kind of the stuff that's underneath that kind of a layer deeper that allows us to connect with it. And, you know, it's really comes through with that story. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I would just say any of you that are listening, if you have not seen that video, go go check it out. Go check it out now because now yeah. we're talking about it. I, my yeah. wife likes to listen to the podcast. I'm like, now I'm talking about I'm going to go. We're going to watch that after we get off show it to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's just cool. It's a great thing. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, are you are you out of uh, Tennessee? Is that right? Yep. I'm in a uh, town called Brentwood just 15 minutes south of, of Nashville. How's the hunting down there? <laughs> I've heard it's good. <laughs> I, 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 for some reason, um, I, you know, I first talk on, I was on, I was probably 14 in, in West Tennessee. Um, but then my uncles and, and some other buddies all had camps in Arkansas. So I've always gone to Arkansas and then Mississippi when I went to college to go duck hunting. Um, and I'd come back from college for Christmas break or something. And we'd all try to go hunt at the local lakes and stuff. And we never had much luck and that's probably our, you know, user error. Um, and they've got them, but, but, uh, I've just, I don't, I don't hunt locally much. Typically I feel like I'm a glutton for punishment after seeing that I've got three kids within three years and, and, I feel like if you're going to go kill ducks, you got to drive five hours and make a weekend of it. Uh, so, uh, I guess you said you cut your teeth in Western Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Just about, uh, well, an hour, hour and a half West of here. Um, uh, but I've always been a big deer hunter and, and a deer hunted around here and, and, um, you know, big, just ate up with fishing when I was younger and still am. And I can fish around here, but, um, I've, you know, after all these kids, I sold my boat, and so I'm not I'm not able to to hunt locally as much as I want to, just on my own. So then, with everything is really transitioning in your life to work, because I know in the video you were saying you used to hunt just constantly, and as your family rises and your company, there's just not as much time for it. But it seems like you're still happy with that transition at the same time. Yeah, it's well, it's cool because you know I can. I can go on these hunts and it's, it's business. You know, I'm, I'm trying to build relationships with different guys in the industry. We're trying to get content. Um, and so I'm still, you know, I say I don't get to hunt as much, which I don't, but I don't think any, I, I, I probably get to hunt more, uh, with three kids now than, than I would have if I wasn't in this industry. Um, I just got back from Canada a week ago and, and it was, incredible i've never hunted up in canada and it was it was awesome um and then we've got i lined up a bunch of hunts this year thinking okay emily you know she, my wife's not gonna be pregnant so i'm gonna get the green light to go hunting at all these places then we found out she's <laughs> pregnant so i'm not booking any new hunts but i'm still I'm, I'm gonna be all over uh here pretty soon but um i i can't book any i really don't want to I had to turn down three hunts last week in Texas, like back to back to back. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with it because when I'm gone, I feel so bad about leaving, you know, a pregnant wife and three toddlers to take, you know, for her to take care of. But, uh, one day 
they'll be a little bit older. I can start taking them. Yeah. So uh, how many you have all girls, boys? What, what do you have? I got a three-year-old girl, a two-year-old girl, and a 10-month-old girl. Okay. And is the verdict still out on number four? I, I don't think we're going to find out. Uh, <laughs> she says that I got to get neutered after this, and uh, <laughs> she wants to keep it as a surprise on the last one. And you're okay with that? Yeah, I, it's not my decision. I mean, it's her. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I know what to do with the girl, and if it's a boy, that'll be even you know a great surprise too. So, yeah. whatever, it's it's all good. That's cool. Awesome. So you said. So you said uh, you got some you got some other plans hunted out for or some hunts planned out for the year. Yeah, I'll be going. Um, I'm going up to Maryland next week for the World Goose uh, competition. I think we're going to try to hunt with uh, with Jeff at uh, Pit Boss Waterfowl, and then I'm going to Honey Break in Louisiana, and I'm, I'll be going back and forth to Mississippi, the same spot that we filmed in Yazoo City a bunch, just on on random weekends, and then uh, hunting in in Arkansas for the World uh, Duck Con Championship, and and uh, I've got a couple others planned I can't think of. What was your Canada trip like? Mostly goose or ducks, fields? Uh, how'd you guys do up there? It was incredible. Uh, we hunted with TJ Millette at, uh, or TJ, TJ Mallet. Sorry, I know some other guys with the last name Millette. Um, front, front, frontline waterfowl, they're in Saskatoon. Um, we're field hunting. We would kill a limit of, of dark geese and then we'd kill a limit of, of ducks. I mean, all pintails and allards and, and uh, it was only five of us shooting, but it was, uh, it was really special. I mean, it was, it was fun. I was in the blind with some new guys that I've never met before. Um, but I mean, just to see groups of, you know, hundreds of ducks coming in on you, something you don't get to see, at least for me, every, every waterfowl season, normally, you know, those big groups we're looking at going, well, wouldn't that be cool if they just turned and looked at us? You know, they're never going to actually come down and, and, and land right on us um, in Arkansas or Mississippi. And the pintails too, that, that had to be pretty cool getting into pintails. Yeah. You know, pintails for me are like a trophy and the night before they're like, God, these pintails are going to come in early. And I'm like, what's wrong with the pintail? They're like, they're just dumb. I'm like, they're like, really smart for me i can never i can never get them to come down and sure enough i mean there'd be groups of 200 pintails coming in on us and and i think their view is you know they take up they take up part of your limits for the mallards but uh <laughs> i love love shooting pintails and what do they look like up there their colors the pintails about the that. same the the heads were a little bit more blonde if i remember right uh but but pretty much the same i guess when i'm shooting pintails around here the most is down at honey break in louisiana and they're they're like a much much more dark chocolate head i might be remembering this wrong but but um but it it looked pretty much the same um i'm sure there's a little bit of variance there well no, right now i'm i live in kansas and right now is when we have the most of our of our pintails and i know like this last weekend we saw hundreds and hundreds of pintails and I, I'm with you. They are so finicky and so difficult to bring in. I mean, either they won't look at you or if they do, they're just, man, they're just a finicky, finicky bird. 
if we can, if we get a bur a group at you know five to ten right down our decoys, which it does happen, but I mean to me mallards are way easier to bring in than pintails. Right, right. I don't know that they act a little bit different up there, I guess, but it's mm. really special. Hmm. I'd give about anything to get on a pintail. I haven't got one yet, so. <laughs> We've got them around right now. I'll tell you that. And I, I was so disappointed not to get an opportunity to shoot one last weekend. We had it both Saturday and Sunday, and both days saw plenty of them and never even got well, never even got close. No ducks wanted to work us that weekend. It was terrible, but mm -hmm. we had the pintails around. Yeah, we were at conservation hunting uh, in Kansas a couple years ago, and um, tons and tons of pintails were wanting to come in, and I kept. Mm -hmm. I think I uh, wish it was duck season right now, but we still did pretty good with the with the specs. I mean, I'm sorry. Snows. Snow geese, yeah. Yeah, and that time of the year, those sprigs on the pintail are like that long. <laughs> so long. They're beautiful. Once in January, when, when uh, it's all frozen around here, and when it starts to thaw, as soon as it starts to thaw, we get a huge reverse migration, and we will see pintails then. Um, already really beautiful pintails in late January. If yeah. we don't get them in October or late January, we're normally not going to see very many of them <laughs> in between those times. Right. But they're beautiful in January. They look much, much prettier as far as their plumage in January than they do in October. Yeah, that blue on their bill, and and that's when we shoot them in, at Honey Break is in January, and they're just, I mean, they're they're gorgeous. It's just, a it, to me, it's like the perfect duck yeah just so elegant mm -hmm. yeah so i, I i've been uh <laughs> out hunting as well this this last week but um we don't see kind of the same same ducks you guys see in kansas or uh tennessee i'd say we only see about mallards and uh some wood ducks as well but <laughs> not oh. a whole lot can y'all call can y'all turn a turn a wood duck or is it pass shooting or no, um, I mean they'll decoy in. Um, yeah. For they'll decoy in for sure. Honestly, a mojo works really well in wood ducks early season. Yeah. Um, I'm not good at. I'm not saying they won't do it. I've just never been great at it. I've heard that a lot. Most people say that you know they can't work wood ducks the same way, and I mean I believe it. Uh, I think it's more about being kind of in the general vicinity of where they want to land, and if you can right. do that with a mojo, they're going to land in your set and they'll land almost right on the mojo. Right. But as far as um, as far as calling them in the afternoon, it's like you're not going to call them off of their path. Um, they know where they're they want to go and where they've been, and they kind of stick to that. Right, right. Now, is it true with you guys too with wood ducks? Is that there's not a lot of circling if they do come in, it's pretty much just in, right? I mean, I'm not the the expert to be. At. Are you asking me? Either of you guys? Yeah, mm -hmm. I I'll just right. pass. You know, if we're if we're in a on public land and in the woods or something will pass you but i've never been able to work on but that i'm not the right person to be asking um just wherever i'm hunting we're usually not seeing them i mean they'll, they'll work in they'll they'll circle but usually i mean i've had them where they circle and they don't come in as well i mean just like other ducks um but honestly they're a lot easier in my opinion to decoy in than most ducks kind of kind of similar to a teal it's totally different for us i mean now we're not hunting. I'm on the east side of the state, so we do have trees and some some timberish kind of holes. And if we have wood duck decoys in the right situation, 
um, which is almost never, we can get them in the decoys. But as far as just like hunting your open marshes and stuff, if you see them, I don't even care for the care for them just because they're so frustrating. If you see them, they don't look, they don't, it's just like, you can't call them. Um, they're either you're going to pass shoot them like Addison was saying, or nothing and working ducks is half the fun of it. So they're just annoying to me. <laughs> now they eat good and they're pretty. So I'm, I mean, I love, and, and we'll shoot them in low light as the sun's coming up and, and, uh, and that's kind of our best chance, but, and they'll be low enough to, to shoot. Um, but it's just usually where I'm hunting. It's a lot of gray ducks and a lot of mallards and, and uh, teal, green wing teal. You have any widgeon? Occasionally, mm. not as many as I saw in Kansas, but uh, that's another kind of trophy for me is to be able to shoot a widgeon because it's not as often as, as I'd like. We have seen so many more widgeon this year than normal. Um, I know my boy and my hunting buddy, both of them have shot already just beautiful drakes this year. It's just, there's been so many more than normal. Yeah. Yeah. Such a beautiful duck. So kind of, kind of changing subjects a little bit, um, kind of going to Gunner. I know it seemed from your story and everything, you're pretty passionate about your dog and you said you self-trained them. So, uh, um, I guess kind of give us the, the kind of the story on, on your dog and training him and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't know much about working a dog and, and bought a, you know, I, I went to go pick him up in North Alabama and I, I asked the, the breeder if he recommended any books and he said, uh, uh British training for the American retriever, uh, by Vic Barlow. And I kind of took that book and made it, you know, the Bible and just got lucky just learned how to communicate with the dog um if i didn't want him to do something i wouldn't give him a retrieve if he did what i wanted to do i'd give him a quick retrieve and and you know we were on the same level for the first few years of his life to where i could get him to do anything um he was uh he was retrieving a lot of ducks and he still does but i can only hunt him one day at a time now i can't hunt him two days in a row and that's been the case for about the last two years, but he's a phenomenal dog. And, and you know, he, he's not perfect. He has his quirks. He's in, in his later years, he's decided he wants to be the alpha dog and he'll fight any other male dog around, which is not desirable, but it is what it is. I, I can't break him of it. And uh, if it's slow, he'll whine, um, you know, which, you know, I'll tell people if I'm hunting with people, I don't know. The next day I'll say, hey, look, he whines. If that's going to be a problem, we won't hunt him. No big deal. But uh, I bet there's some of my buddies that have said that's probably the best hunting dog they've ever seen. And there's probably some other guys I've hunted with that said that's the worst hunting dog they've ever seen. <laughs> Depends on if it's a slower or fast today. But uh, it's all good. I mean, it was my first dog to train and, and hunt. And, um, it turned out great. I, you know, love the dog to death. I take him to my warehouse every day and, and – uh, He's just, he's always by my side. Awesome. Yeah. I would say, uh, uh, he's definitely, he's definitely a good looking dog. And, um, you know, I can relate to some of that as well. Chief's the first dog I've trained. Um, he's, this is his second season really hunting. Um, and he, he has a lot more corks than you've named, uh, <laughs> that I got to work out of him. But, um, you know, it's, it's a, a lot of the fun, you know, of hunting with a dog is working with them and, and, and watching them succeed, um, eventually, or so you hope, and, <laughs> right. and uh, yeah, and Chief actually looks a lot like Gunner. Really? Yep, same kind of oh, yeah, coloring. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, there's been a couple times where I looked at him and said, Gunnar, if you weren't so good looking, I'd probably let you go by now because I, mean, <laughs> I hunted with them. I remember I hunted with them on a lease in Arkansas, just me and him. And I was trying to work out that whining that he had just started doing. And uh, a group of mouths are coming in on us. And he flat out just started barking at them. And, and <laughs> I've never known a dog to flare a duck, but I'm pretty sure that he flared those ducks that time. And uh, I mean, he's a great dog, but I, he is a good looking dog. And, and um, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a good relationship. So you think he purposefully flared him to like? <laughs> no, I, don't, I think you're trying to call him. <laughs> no, uh, okay, okay. My buddy, his camp in in Mississippi, if you know, he's a really good shot, and uh, if we're hunting together, dove or duck or whatever, and, and and my buddy is shooting better than I am, he'll just leave me and go heal on him. He's like, I know that. I'll, I'll go the breadwinner, you know. I won't go three. That's great. That's awesome. So how's he holding up health wise? Any any health issues starting to? pop up just sore uh i'll run them every other night uh on the golf cart and just through the neighborhood and the next day he'll be slow to get up on get, get up the stairs from the garage and and like today even he was limping for for not really any apparent reason but uh, i've got him on some medicine that's really good for older dogs called adequin and it's a it's a shot you give them every 20 days and it it's really i mean it's taken a couple years off of him because two years ago i thought this is it, you know, last year, two years ago, I thought next year will be his last year. And after he started that medicine, um, he responded so well to it and hunted so well that, you know, I'm planning on hunting him a lot this year, but this will probably be his last full blown duck season. And what, why, what's leading you to that decision? Just the pain is in the next day. I mean, I'll, I'll leave a camp and, and, Put them in the back of the truck. I have to pick them, and I, I don't let them jump up or jump down out of the back of the truck anymore. But I'll put them in the kennel, and I'll be driving down the road, and he will just start whining and barking uncontrollably. And it's a because he knows we're leaving and doesn't want to leave, which could be the case, or b just how much pain he's in. I mean, I remember uh, we hunted him three days hard in the in the freezing temperatures two years ago. And when I got back to my house, he was laid up in my office for two days. I mean, I would have to pick him up to go out and use the bathroom. And, and I mean, his like feet, it's not necessarily just his joints and his shoulders and stuff, but his feet seem like they're in pain. Hmm. It's just from going so hard. I mean, he's almost, he's overheated dove hunting. He's got hypothermia when we're duck hunting once. And I mean, he will, if I let him, and that's the problem is you gotta, you gotta, you're in charge, you gotta monitor him, but he would kill himself duck hunting if I, if I let him get to that point. They're wonderful animals, aren't they? Yeah, they just they just want to make you happy, in my opinion. Yeah. I've got an 11-year-old yellow lab, and she started limping around year eight. And I thought that was going to be her last year. And then I got her on some medication, took about six, seven pounds off her, and she started doing really well. Um, then the limp kind of sunk back in. And then opening day teal season this year, she tore her ACLU. So... She had that surgery done, and they're telling me that they think she can hunt in November. But I'm looking at her; it's like, man, she limps, and uh, right. I want to, I want to hunt her, and I'll, I mean, she's she's not a high energy dog, right? So, which helps, I think. Um, but man, I I hope she can hunt mid November. But I mean, she's 11, and she's still limping like crazy. It just kills me every time I leave to go hunting, and she's looking at me. Yeah, so I, 
I, I bred Gunner uh, two years ago, and we we got we kept one of the puppies. We named him Bullet, and uh, it was right when we had our second child and really trying to start the company. And he had pretty much stayed in school most of his life. I'd I'd go pick him up and go on hunts and hunt him on the second day, and I got him back for the dove season. And Gunner and Bullet hunted great together. They got along fine. I was really, really pleased with Bullet. He's got the same drive that Gunner does. I call him Gunner a lot just because they look so much alike. But um, that night I was I was giving them each a dove heart as I was cleaning the doves and as their reward. And for some reason they got into it and started fighting. And the next day I heard I heard them down in the garage. They were fighting a little bit. And then that afternoon I had my three kids out on the back porch or backyard and they started fighting and uh you know I, it killed me because i realized they're these two are always going to fight each other they both think they're the alpha male and i've tried to break them both of it and and I'm at, bullets actually up in new jersey right now with a buddy of mine um brady foster that works with aggressive dogs and problem dogs and he's got them where he won't he won't try to fight any other dog but he still will with gunner and so we're actually going to let we're going to give him to my wife's best friend, which she had a uh, bullet's mother who got hit by a car the other day. And so they're wanting another dog and her husband's a guide in Mississippi. So he's going to be able to hunt and I, I'll be able to pick him up when I need to. And I'll just have to keep him separated. So when I I'm hunting two days, I can hunt gunner the first and bullet the second, but it's been a pretty bad deal. Cause I was planning on, you know, replacing gunner with, with bullet, but uh, it's just not going to work out, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It is what it is. So you have a, yep. a plan B then yet for that, um, as far as a predecessor? <laughs> I mean, I'm just all, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, for some reason or another, I'm a British chocolate lab male dog guy. Um, I've grown up with, with male chocolate labs and I, I, I now know that I can't have another one around Gunner. And so it's probably going to have to be, um, after he passes, get another one. Um, or until then get a female. Um, but I haven't really figured it out and hadn't put too much thought into it. Hmm. Cause you don't want to, you know, you don't want to think about when your dog can't hunt anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right at that point. I know that I should be getting a dog this, this year. And man, training a dog yourself as my, I, I really enjoyed it with my dog, but it is a lot of responsibility a lot of work and man this the thought of it just seems exhausting <laughs> to me just thinking about it no, I'm, busy tra- I'm busy training these kids I, I, I might have to get a started dog or something after this yeah i may try to wait until next year i i don't know I, if i'm smart i'll get a dog this january because <laughs> at least you know if i get january february my dog's name's izzy she can kind of still probably do some stuff during teal season when it's nice and warm and then the new dog would be ready October, November. So that's probably what I should do. Right. Just dragging my feet about it. Right. That's a, it's a sad day when you see dogs going, uh, in old age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Addison, you got anything you'd like to say to, uh, you know, people watching or listening. Uh, we've got, we're working on a lot of cool new products. Um, 
now that we're direct to consumer, we're trying to make a better experience for the customer. And um, no, everything's good. I mean, we're we're all we're still a small team. We still have small issues here and there where a customer will get you know the wrong order or something like that, and we make it right every time. But but we're still really small, and and uh, everything's going really well. It's just uh, one step at a time. But but uh, no, I think. I think that's probably all I've got. Unless do you have any other questions? Actually, actually, um, kind of tell about your products a little. Like, how many different? You only sell kennels, right? Right now, okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. And what? What? How many different types um, do you sell? And what are the sizes? Yeah, so we sell uh, a small, medium, intermediate, and large, and that'll fit dogs from, you know, one pound to to one hundred fifteen pounds. Um, and then we we're selling different colors of the kennels now, and we've got different accessories for the kennels. We're working on more accessories for the kennels, but we're about to get into, for me, just all things dog, anything that I use for gunner in my day to day, most of it's junk. I want to build the best one out there. And I think that we've kind of, you know, we're trying to build our name on the kennel and, um, and take that same thought process and put it towards other products that we use as, as dog owners or hunters and, and just make the best out there. And the main idea being this is the safest, most durable dog kennel on the market, essentially. Yeah, that was the goal. I just wanted, I wanted the best. So when I, when I came up with the idea, there was a $65 crate, then there was a $2,000 aluminum box that takes up your whole back of your truck. And there was no in between. And I thought somebody needs to make the best plastic crate. Um, and I convinced myself pretty quickly that I would buy one and figured others would buy one, you know, other figured other people were obsessed about the dogs as I was. And unfortunately the retail price was a little bit higher than we were shooting for, but we just had to put more into the quality and the craftsmanship of the kennel. Um, but people seem to accept the price uh, because it, you know, it turned out to be a, a, a well-made product and, and, you know, we're not perfect, but that's what we strive for. And so uh, there's a lot of different components and manufacturing processes in the kennel and uh, more than, more than just what you think when you look at it. And so there's always, there's always something going on, with, you know, that we're trying to figure out make to make sure that it's better and, and uh, repeatable process that everybody's going to get the exact same kennel, but you know, we're only three and a half years old and, and we're getting there. So, um, it's interesting, you know, we look, the customers will tell us what they want to in terms of different accessories or different ideas. And so we're, we're building on some of those, but a lot of it comes down to what I've been using day to day and what I don't like about all these other dog products and, and, you know, let's go out there and like the kennel, just make the best out there um, for whatever it is for your dog. Awesome. Well, I would yeah. say as far, as far as the price goes, I'm willing to bet you having a, having one myself that it's going to probably my kids will be using it with their dog when I'm not hunting anymore. I mean, it's, it's not gonna, you're not going to need another one anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was the goal was, you know, there's no reason. It's just like a Yeti cooler. I was buying five, Bowman coolers a year because uh, I I would use it and break it and then I got one Yeti uh, I think eight and a half or, or no longer than that I got a Yeti in two thousand and eight or nine and I've still got it 
in the back of my truck right now. I mean, you just, you don't need another one. You, you make something and if If you break something, it's easily replaceable. I'm not breaking anything on that one, but, but yeah, that's the whole, that was the whole idea. Well, it's definitely exciting to hear your, hear your other plans for dog products. I'll definitely, uh, you know, seeing the quality you guys got on your kennels, be excited to see, uh, what you guys come out with on that stuff as well. Yeah, we're, we're trying to do it right. I mean, we're trying to come up with the product, get a prototype and actually test it when before if say like a, uh, a new accessory, people want it so bad and we want to build it so bad. We'll, we'll get the first prototype and start selling it and uh-huh. don't have any time for, for product testing and, and figuring out what's wrong with it. And so we've had to adjust a little bit and it's, it's frustrating to know I've got, a lot of new products that I'm working on right now and it's going to take me longer than I would like to get them out there. But hopefully that means when they're, when they're ready to be launched, you know, all the kinks are worked out and, and that it's ready, you know, with no issues. Any sneak peeks of uh, kind of a product you're excited about that you don't quite have out there yet that you'd be willing to share with us? Um, I've got one that I can probably go ahead and talk about. Uh, we'll be we'll be releasing it uh, this December, hopefully. Uh, but it's a high-end dog food container. So I've taken all the different issues about that I have with all the dog food containers out there and tried to make the best of the best. And um, I'm really excited about it because it's a product that you know it's not going to cost five hundred dollars to to get. And so if you don't have a kennel but you can appreciate quality. Uh, people can afford this. And, and so, you know, it's a, to me, it's a layup because that's my next biggest issue is when I'm traveling or anytime I'm using my, my dog food container, I hate it. And it's not, not ours, but what's out there. And so I was, I've been working on this for over a year now. And, and I think that, you know, people should be pleased with, with how that turns out. Awesome. Yeah. All righty. Anything else you want to add, Elliot? Nope. This has been really informative and it's been, been wonderful getting to know you and talking to you. Yeah. Appreciate y'all's time. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We appreciate you coming on Addison. Um, so real quick, let, let, uh, everyone know where they can find you on social media. Um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. So just go ahead and list those off. Uh, just look up Gunner Kennels on any of that. And then our website, uh, gunnerkennels.com. Alrighty. Oh, and we've got a Facebook group called the Dis- Discussion Den that I think it's a cool little group of, of people looking to buy a kennel or people that have a kennel that just bring up different different topics. Awesome. All right, folks. Well, that's all we got for tonight. Thanks again, Addison, for coming on. I'm yeah, Jordan. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and Addison from Gunner Kennels. And we'll see you guys next time. Appreciate it. And that's a wrap. Thanks as always, guys, for tuning in for another episode. Really appreciate it. A few updates real quick before we end the podcast. We have decided to stop live streaming them on YouTube, and we're switching over to Facebook for a few reasons. So um, if you are watching these videos live, don't worry. Still going to be live on Facebook. So make sure to tune in over there. You can find them at Fellowship of the Duck Gun our Facebook group or the Duck Gun Chronicles Facebook page or the free freelance duck hunting page as well. So still plenty of ways to find the live streams that we'll be having weekly. But another quick reminder, make sure to check out 
our YouTubes, Freelance Duck Hunting and Duck Gun Chronicles. We're both posting all our hunts, um, tons of content and videos, hunt videos coming out every week. That's all we got for this week, guys. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time. Let's go.